What do you remember about your childhood? What are the memories that stand out to you? How would you describe your parents? How do you think your children would describe you? What are the things that they will remember about their childhood one day? What does the Bible, if anything, have to say about parenting? About raising children up? You know, parenting is a huge task and responsibility. And thankfully, the Word of God does address parenting. It does give some instructions for the relationship between parents and children. We're going to look at some of them this morning. In fact, we'll be looking at one of the most well-known passages of Scripture when it comes to parenting, raising children up to know and to follow Jesus Christ. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me and to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament near the beginning of the Bible. And although this particular passage has instructions for parents, if you're not a parent or perhaps think that your parenting responsibilities have come and gone and moved on, don't, don't check out because like all of Scripture... This passage is is informative and instructive for all followers of Jesus Christ, for all the people of God, many of whom just so happen to be parents. So as you're turning there to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to remind you that this church's mission statement is that Meadowbrook Baptist Church exists to glorify God by knowing God through biblical worship, growing together as disciples of Christ, and going throughout the world with the gospel of Christ. Each of those three descriptors being tied to our three core values as a church, knowing tied to worship, growing tied to discipleship, and going tied to mission. And although all of those, I believe, are found and present in our passage of Scripture this morning, we'll be particular, particularly honing in on the second of those, the discipleship area, growing, growing together as followers of Jesus Christ. So what is the role of a parent in that process? Trying to lead children to know and to follow Jesus Christ. What's, what's the role of the church in that process, leading Children to know and to follow Jesus Christ. Where do the two things overlap? Are they related? What does discipleship have to do with parenting? Now that we've asked all the questions, let's look at God's Word. Let's look at Scripture to see what God's Word has to say about this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you've spent very much time in church at all, then then you've heard this passage, particularly verses 
4 and 5. You see here that God's identity, who He is, sets the stage for for how we're to respond to Him. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is known as the Shema, from the Hebrew word for hear. Signals that this is an important passage of Scripture. This is an important verse of Scripture. Important instructions for the Lord, for the people of God. Scripture reads, and the NIV reads, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Certainly, perhaps a reference to the oneness of God. That He is one God. Another way of translating that particular phrase is that the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is our God, the the Lord alone. In other words, He is the only God. He is the one who reigns supreme. He is King. He is in control. He is the true God. Told to Israel in a context with neighbors, people among them were worshiping many, many gods. This comes just on the heels. These instructions historically and in a literary context come just on the heels of the giving of the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel through Moses. The first of those commandments is tied clearly to this this idea that God alone is Lord. These are found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the chapter right before this, verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The identity of God as the one God, God alone. He is the Lord alone. This sets the stage for how we're to respond to Him, how the people of God are to respond to God. You see clearly here that they're to to love God, verse They are to obey God, verse 6. To instruct their children in the ways of the Lord, in the ways of Yahweh, verses 7 through 9. Yahweh, the name that God made Himself known to His people in the Old Testament. The name by which He revealed Himself to them as their covenant God. The God of Scripture, the same God that we worship today. The same God that we gather in the name of today. He alone is Lord. He alone is worthy. He alone reigns supreme. See here that because Yahweh alone is Lord, we set our affections on Him, we obey Him, and we instruct our children in His ways. Because Yahweh alone is Lord, His identity, who He is, because He alone is Lord, we set our affections on Him, we obey Him, and we instruct our children in his ways. That's the heart, I believe, of what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 is, is teaching, is communicating that Yahweh, the God of Scripture, is supreme. He alone is Lord. He's the one that is worthy of all praise. He alone is magnificent. The only one worthy of our devotion. The only one worthy of our lives. The one that's worthy of our, our love, heart, mind, Strength, heart, soul, mind, and strength, New Testament says. In other words, He deserves all of us. Every part of us deserves and demands all of us. He's worthy of all of us. And proper response to Him is to love Him and to obey Him. According to Jesus, 
we love Him, we ought to keep His commands. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love Me, keep My commands. If you love God, you will obey Him. Respond to Him as He deserves. How often does this play out in our human relationships as well? Perhaps a friend or a family member asks us to do something that we don't want to do for them. We say something like, only because I love you. I don't want to do that, but because I love you, I'll I'll do that. It's never a good sign when, when someone near and dear asks you or begins a conversation with the question, how much do you love me? How much do you love me? How much do we love the Lord? If we love Him, we desire to honor Him, to please Him, to do what He desires. Vernon McGee, who was a well-known pastor and author and Bible teacher, said this, wrote this about this passage of Scripture. He said, I do want to say that I love Him. I wish I loved Him more than I do, but He is the object of my affection today. I can truly say that I love Him. That is what he asked Simon Peter. Do you love me? I think he would ask you and me that same question today. To learn to love Him, we must sit at His feet and come to know Him. He is the chiefest among 10,000. He is the one altogether lovely. He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our God. I, I worship Him. I want to know Him better. And he asked the question, what does He mean to you? Oh, that we would love the Lord God. The only true God. The God of the Scripture in the way that He deserves. In a way that's reflective of, of who He is. That we would love and obey Him in all that we do. And if we love Him, if we obey Him, if we recognize who He is, we recognize His magnificence and His greatness and His splendor and His intrinsic worthiness, then we will instruct our children in His ways. Scripture says here, verse 7, impress them. Impress them on your children. Impress them. The commands of God, that is. Impress them on your children. That's how... The NIV translation renders this. English Standard Version says, teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them diligently. The the Holman translation says, repeat these things. Repeat these instructions to your children. Really, that's the heart of what's being communicated here. Repeat them over and over and over again. Teach your children these things. Teach them the ways and the commandments and the instructions of the Lord. And when are we to do that? Scripture says here that we're to do it when we sit at home. In other words, when we're, when we're resting, when we're idle, and when we walk along the road, when we're active. When we're idle, when we're active. To do it at night, when you lie down and when you get up. At nighttime and during the daytime. In other words, all the time. These things, the ways of the Lord, the commands of the Lord, the instructions of the Lord are to be in our conversations, on our lips. We are to be teaching these things all the time. If you love something, 
you want to talk about it. If you love something, then talking about it comes naturally to you. I don't know what that is for you. What are things that fit that category? Perhaps football or fishing or knitting or American Idol, whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe all of the above. But if you know the Lord God of Scripture, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, you recognize that He is King of kings and Lord of lords, that He is the one who reigns supreme, then He ought to be on that list. If you love Him, desire to talk about Him, see the importance of communicating His ways, His story, the things of Him. Some have taken the commands here literally in verses 8 and 9. Tie them as symbols. In other words, the commands of the Lord, the instructions of the Lord. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. These little boxes that devout Jews throughout the ages have placed on their arms and attached to their heads that contain scriptures such as this. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Boxes that, again, are put on frames of doors with scripture inside of them. Got one of these uh, this morning thanks to Bob and Marianne who picked this up in Israel last year. And that's what this is. It's, It's a notched place in the back where scripture, rolled up scriptures to go and then People of Israel, the Jews, would put this on the door frames as a reminder of the Word of God, the importance of the Word of God, the commands of God in their lives. And this would be perhaps the first passage of Scripture that they would put there in that box. And walk by them, often would touch them as they enter through a doorway as a reminder of the importance of the commands of the Lord. Even raise up their children, I'm told, to touch those at times as they walk through those door frames. I don't think... I don't think so much the Lord meant these instructions in in that way, in a literal way, but more in a spiritual way, in a metaphorical way. In other words, the Word of God is to be before you all the time, always in front of you. The words of the Lord, the ways of the Lord. As parents, they have to always be in front of your children in the same way. How many of you here this morning know who Alexander Shinara is? Anybody? I'm not asking if, if you know him personally, but you, you know of him. If you don't know him, then, or not know him, I don't know him personally. If you don't know of him, then, then you don't get out very much because <laughs> he's all over, like half the, the billboards in this county and all across the state. And perhaps even though you've never met him, you could tell someone else something about him simply by seeing his name around and seeing him on advertisements on your television. His message is is in front of you often. And the message of God, the truths of God, the Word of God ought to be in front of us often. It ought to always be before us so that we're speaking it, so that we know it, so that we're communicating it to our children, so that they might know and grow up to know and to follow the Lord God of Scripture, the great I Am, the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe, the One in whom life is found. 
Scripture says that to train up our children in the ways of the Lord, and even when they were old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Raising children in the ways of the Lord is a big task. Overwhelming responsibility. And for this reason, as as a church family, we desire to come alongside you in that process, to support you in that process. And I hope, parents, I hope you'll be back here tonight at 6 o'clock down the hall in the youth area as we, as we launch a new parent ministry, a parent website ministry that offers tools and resources and practical suggestions and articles, and books, and on and on about how we might be faithful as we seek to raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. Because Yahweh alone is God. We love Him, we obey Him, and we instruct our children in His ways. And we see another way in which we do this, how we're to go about this in the final portion of this passage, verses 20 through 25. So look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. In the future, otherwise, in other words, sometime down the road, no specified time here, but sometime this is going to happen. In the future, when your son asks you, you might say your son or or daughter, your children, when your children ask you, your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Church, because God rescued us, we take every opportunity to tell our children God's story of our salvation. Because God, the one who is the Lord alone, God of Scripture, because God rescued us, we take every opportunity, take advantage of every available circumstance, situation to to tell our children God's story of our salvation. What Scripture is saying here is that as you go about this, as you go about communicating the importance of the things of God, the, the ways of God, the commands of God, instructions of God, there will come a time when you are asked, Mom, Dad, why do I have to do this? Do I really have to do that? Why is this such a big deal? You ever heard that, parents? And when you hear that, you jump on that opportunity to tell them about God's story of salvation. God's story of rescuing us from sin, darkness, slavery, 
calling us as His people, giving us new life, peace, and joy in Him. Tell of His deliverance. Tell of His salvation. And as people who have been grafted in to the, the church, as people who have been grafted into the people of God, Israel's history, which we're reading about here in Deuteronomy, becomes our history. This is not just a history of a distant people in a distant land. This is our story as well because we are the people of God. Although you may not have been in slavery, making bricks with your hands, gathering straw roughly 4,000 years ago under Pharaoh in, in, the, in Egypt. You and I were in a far, far worse condition. We weren't in physical slavery, but we were in spiritual slavery to sin, in the ways of sin separated from God, not in in a right relationship to God. Paul makes this clear in the New Testament. Romans chapter 6, I invite you to turn there. Look with me for a moment. God's instructions through Paul to the Romans. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. Descriptive of believers, those who have recognized their sin and trusted in Jesus for salvation. He writes... But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. He says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now... That you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result, get this, is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is eternal life. We, though not in a physical Egypt or in bondage, enslaved to our own desires, the ways of the world. And through Christ, we have been set free from sin and slavery to sin and the results of sins, the eternal consequences of sin. And rather, we have been delivered by the Lord. That is a story, folks, worth telling. Tell that story every chance you get. Parents, instruct your children. In that story. Moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, neighbors, teachers. Tell your children that story. Every opportunity you get. The picture here is a a story of salvation. A story of deliverance. A story of the ways of God. Being a topic of everyday conversation in the home. I love the hymn. We have a story to tell to the nations. Because we do have a story. 
greatest story ever written, greatest story ever told, greatest story ever comprised to take to the ends of the earth. But that is also the greatest story for us to tell in our own homes. Ought to be on our, our lips, on our mouths often. Let's tell that story. Next time you're asked to tell a story to a child, tell them that story. I mean, the three little pigs is, is good. But after like the 237th time, it's really not that good anymore. It gets old. This story does not get old. Tell it and tell it often. Tell the story of God creating and calling and redeeming a people for himself. This is a story that ought to be on our lips. Folks, we see from God's word this morning that the identity and work of God compel us to love him, obey him, and to tell others about him. The identity, who he is, and the work of God, what he has done. The identity and work of God compel us as the people of God, as believers in this God, as followers of Jesus Christ, to love him, obey him, and to tell others about him. So let's do that. Let's know him and what he has done. And let's communicate that message. Communicate our love for him, our obedience to him, and to tell that story often in one way that we express to, to our God that we love him and that we obey him and desire to obey him. It's by worshiping him, by worshiping him alone. So let's worship God alone. He alone is worthy of our praise today. He alone is worthy of our prayers today. He alone is worthy of our lives today. So let's worship God alone. Secondly, based off the truth of God's word found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's take responsibility for discipling our children. Take responsibility for discipling your children. For communicating the ways of God and the message of God and the story of God to the ones that God has entrusted to you. Let's take every chance we get to tell them and to teach them, to instruct them, to train them in the ways of the Lord so that they might grow to love Jesus Christ. So they might grow to to love and to follow Jesus Christ as these children that we witnessed this morning expressed that they had done through baptism. The good news for us, although that's a a tall order, the challenging task is that God has given us this. He has given us a community of believers. He has given us the church, His design, not so much the structure and formality or programs or facility of the church, but the people of the church. This is God's design to come alongside of us and to walk with Christ together, to grow in Christ together. That's our desire here is to support one another, offer resources to one another, to serve one another, to step in whenever possible as a faith family, as an extension of your family to grow and to disciple children in the ways of the Lord. But Scripture is clear that the parent you are, God's design for discipling your children. 
child's teacher is not God's primary disciple of your children. His coach is not God's intention to be a, the primary disciple of your children. Not even your children's pastors and ministers and church leaders and church teachers. Oh, though all of these can be used by God, used to come alongside parents, you are God's design to be the primary disciples of your children. So let's worship God alone. Let's take responsibility for discipling our children and let's learn to love God's grand story. Learn to love God's grand story. Scripture is not just a book of rules and guidelines for living. It's not just a book even filled with verses, random verses to pull here and there whenever we feel like they might be helpful to us. It is all of those things. But Scripture ultimately is a grand narrative of God's story of creating, calling, and redeeming a people for Himself. It's a story of the gospel. Get to know that story. Learn that story. Meditate on that story. Tell that story. And as you do, I believe you will love that story. You will love God's story. And as you love it, you will begin to talk about it. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Let's learn to love God's story of salvation. The identity and work of God compel us to love Him, obey Him, and to tell others about Him. Do you know this God? Do you know the God of Scripture? Do you love this God? Are you living for this God by obeying Him? Are you telling others about Him? Do others know that you know this story? Are you making every effort to pass on this story to all those you encounter, especially your children? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is sufficient. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word, that we might know you, that we might know the things that are pleasing to you, that we might know your commands that are for our own good. Lord, that we might desire to follow you. We thank you for the story of salvation in Christ. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to hear and to know that story. We thank you for those that have invested in us that we might know you, that we might be participants in that story, that we might be those who have gone from death to life, from slavery to freedom in Christ. Lord, remind us of that daily. Help us to love that story. Help us to tell that story. And to tell it often for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.